Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 11th of October, 2012. And today we are reading from the Big Book. We are in the chapter, Working with Others, on page 95. And we're going to start at the top of the page with the first paragraph, Unless Your Friend. And today's readers are 12 Steps, Margaret Kay, 12 Traditions, Debbie. And then the readers will be Kim, Sharon, Katie, and Hoodie. The share code for yesterday, Thursday, 1010, is 5285. 5285. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Margaret Kay to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Margaret Kay, recovered in South Jersey. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening, as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Margaret. I will now ask Debbie to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Debbie H. Montana. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous. 
except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, prestige, divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA is such that never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name might never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your commenting be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, Working with Others. We are on page 95, and we are on the first paragraph, Unless Your Friend. And I will ask Kim to begin reading, please. Thanks, Monica. Unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, do not wear out your welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. If you do stay, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he is likely to say you rushed him. You will be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they work for you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. And good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And what great instructions in this. Um, I'm going to pull out this couple sentences. It says, sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he is likely to say that you rushed him. 
And I just think about how a lot of our meetings are set up and, and how a lot of times we present this program to a newcomer is we immediately bring them to the chapter how it works. And they don't understand who and what they are. They understand, they've heard of 12-step program somewhere or maybe they've been in and out of the rooms for a while and they want to get into that 4 through 9 because they know that's where the action steps are. I want to take those actions. But they haven't done step one. They haven't fully conceded to their innermost selves that they have this allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. Everything is grounded in step one. Until you know you're screwed, until you understand that there is no escape from this twofold disease, you can't move forward. Because the whole purpose of this program is to get a relationship with a higher power. And if you don't know that you're powerless, you're not going to be seeking that power. Because step two is that conclusion that you need a power. And that conclusion is rooted in the fact that you were powerless. Because if lack of power is your dilemma, you are forced to seek a higher power. And when you truly know that you need that higher power, that's going to propel you to make that decision to seek it. And it's making that decision that will propel you to these action steps. And let's look at how the big book is presented. We have the doctor's opinion, Bill's story, there is a solution, more about alcoholism. And then in how it works on page 60, it says, being convinced we're at step three. So that means between the doctor's opinion and up to page 60, which is 73 pages, that just covers step one and two. And then on page 60, we make that decision. And from page 60 to page 88, we do all the action steps. Three through 11 is on page 60 to 88. So if we rush someone and we bring them to that chapter how it works and we have them do an inventory and they don't know that they're screwed and they don't know that they need a higher power and they haven't fully made that decision, they're going to sort of do an inventory. They might tell you some of their story. They might turn over the defects that cause them the most pain, but those that are most precious, they're going to keep close to themselves. And they're not going to make their amends because... Say, that person hurt me more than I hurt them, so I don't need to do that. And then they're going to go tumbling back into the food, and they're going to say, OA doesn't work, and these 12 steps don't work. So that's why it's so essential that we take these steps in order, and that as the sponsor, we look, have they fully conceded these steps, and as the person who is being brought through the work, are you feeling the promises that are, that are happening in each of these steps? Because if we rush through them, that obsession of the mind will not be quieted. We will pick up the food, which will trigger the allergy, which will keep us in that vicious cycle over and over and over unless we get that psychic change. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sally from Boston. I heard Sally and I think Katie. Yep. Oh, all right. Sally and then Katie. Thank you, Monica. Good morning. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Sally, recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. This line um, says, sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. I'd like to speak to that. 
I get a lot of phone calls from newcomers who are desperate to get started immediately. They are desperate for a sponsor and certainly get anxious and desperate to get started. And for myself, what I've learned, my experience with my sponsor and what I do when people call me and ask me um, what to do, and um, I always tell them the first thing to do is to read this book. On the uh, end of XXII, it says, I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through, and though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. At the bottom of 94, I didn't even know this one was here, it says, if he shows interest, lend him your copy of this book. Uh, a few paragraphs down on 95, it's, um, two paragraphs down at the last, this last uh, I'm sorry, the second, third paragraph up on this page, if he is sincerely interested and wants to see you again, ask him to read this book in the interval. And then on the next page, on 96, in the middle of the page, it says, suppose now you are making your second visit to a man. He has read this volume and says he is prepared to go through with the 12 steps of the program of recovery. And so I feel, and and my experience has been, and my sponsor, um, who... Um, has basically taught me, has told me the first thing we do with a newcomer or with somebody who is anxious to get started is to have them read this first 164 pages. Read it like a novel straight through, and then if they still want to get started, then get them started. I think it's a really um, made very clear for us here in, in terms of instructions that this is how we should uh, be leading um, I just want to go on to say uh, in this paragraph here, if he has trouble later, he is likely to say you rushed and you will be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit, exhibit any passion for crusade or, or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked with you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. And I think here, too, offer him friendship and fellowship. So often, the newcomer or the anxious-to-begin person is really just not quite ready for whatever reason. And so it is important, and we're told repeatedly, to offer our friendship, to leave the door open for when that person is ready. And um, that's all I've got. With that, I, sh I pass. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Sally. Katie, your turn. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater from Boston, and uh, grateful to be here on the line, abstinent and sober. Um, I love that it talks about, um, you know, you will be most successful if you do not exhibit any passion for a crusade. And what's a crusade? It's an energetic organization or campaign. Um, or reform, which is changed to improve it, never talk down to any alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. And what is a spiritual hilltop? So I'm standing at the top of the hill and I've got my, you know, banner and my I'm I'm yelling, you know, praising the good news of Overeaters Anonymous. But it's saying, no, no, we don't do that. We simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. And what's, a, what's an inspection but a careful examination? You know, like, I can't give anybody the willingness to do this. And you know what? Again, like, I want to come back to that line. 
I don't know what's best for me, and therefore I don't know what's best for anybody else. I know what's best for me a day at a time through God's mercy, through me shutting my mouth and listening to my ears, right? But, like, who am I to say that I know that this program is going to work for everybody else in this way, doing this thing no matter what? You know, and I have a lot of people call me and they say, oh, well, my sponsor makes me do this. My sponsor makes me do that. Well, there's something going on because I'm not telling anybody that they have to do anything. This is not Weight Watchers. This is not, you know, some, you know, light diet or whatever. Like, if you hear something of yourself in the message that I carry and you want to chat a little bit more, here you go. Here's a chance to think it over. This is where I've been. In my adult life, I've had a symptom of 228 pounds and 110 pounds. I've had a symptom of complete unmanageability around my life. But that doesn't mean here you go for, you know, $9.99, here's your big book. I'm going to sell this to you and you better do this because this is the only way. You know, and when I was talking to people that way, it's because I was so afraid. And what was I afraid of? I was afraid that I was wrong and I was operating in that binary system of I'm right and they're wrong because if if I'm wrong, that means you're right and there's a problem. But I'm here to offer friendship and fellowship. You know what? This is what I do. If you want to work with me, awesome. If you don't, not a big deal. You know, I wish you all the best. Um, And what I like so much about these directions is that, you know, when I'm right with other people, I can be right with God. And when I'm right with God, I'm right with other people. And I can carry out my primary purpose, which contrary to popular belief is not to go out and make a million dollars and go to graduate school and succeed in the way, you know, have have marriage and kids and all the things I want. No, I have to place every single day my primary purpose in front of everything or else eating is going to be a step up from how I feel about myself. You know, I must serve others. But it's not up to me. I may plant a seed that someone never, ever grows. And I may be surprised by someone tapping into something that I have to say, you know, that does work. It's not about me. It's about God and God acting through me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula Mashia. Yes. Good morning, Paula. Go ahead. Good morning to you, Monica, and thank you for your service. And I want to start from the top. I'm loving stopping, starting from the top. Unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, why don't we just stop there? Unless your friend... There's clearly an indication here of who you are to this person. Wants to talk further about himself. Do not wear out your welcome. Gee, you think we could do that? With the spouting and the spitting and da 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 You know, sometimes I swear you can almost see them go, Phew, thank goodness, that's done and that's over. Honey, you've worn out your welcome. You know, we don't come into these pages and working with others before we've living in the the ninth the ninth step promises, and then we come to the beautiful tenth step that we get to do all through the day, and then we do that eleven step meditation, and then we come here. Now you've got something to give, and oh, what you have to give, and what is that? A friend? Yeah. 
And it goes on, and I love this. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. Oftentimes it's the sponsor that wants to proceed at once. The protege is, well, what's going on here? Too fast. So both sides need to look, always. This is sometimes a mistake. And, honey, it's a big one on both ends. If he has trouble later, he's likely to say you rushed him, did you? question is for you, not for him. But I want to go down to, again, we started with, unless your friend, may I go down to that last line? Scoot on right down with me. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Look at what you've offered him. Tell him that if he wants to get well, there it is. Your primary purpose, you will do anything to help. Remember that first page? To be helpful is our only aim. I think we're seeing a real flowing of certain words that become part of our life. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Leah. Good morning, Leah. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah, recovered compulsive reader. You will be m- most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Um, I mean, certainly this is something we learn uh, from Bill. That was a hard lesson that that Bill uh, had to learn from his early efforts at 12-step work where he used to walk into a, you know bars and pull men off the bar stools by their shirt collar and uh you know at the end of 6 months of teaching and preaching to scores of men nobody had sobered up of course it was Dr. Silkworth who recommended you know what build reverse the <laughs> reverse what you're doing change your strategy tell them about um, how you were transformed. Tell them about the medical business, the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. Uh, you know, tell them about um, you know the fact that uh, they are hopeless with this two-edged sword, and do it through your own story. Through your own story, share that. And so it says here, you know, show him how they worked with you. So that's what, you know, recovered people have an opportunity to do is to share about that transformation. And it is a transformation. Uh, Just like it says earlier in the text, you know, our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. There's a change. We've gone from darkness to light, you know, from illness to recovery. So through our sharing, you know, we we uh, share how this works. It's done in a very humane, uh, friendly way. You know, I can just uh, basically say, you know, I have not found it necessary to pick up that first bite since January 19, 1987. And that says a couple things to me. Number one, I haven't found it necessary to pick up that first bite because the program of recovery um, has given me the action steps, right, to make those changes within myself and within my attitude with the grace of God. I no longer need to find something out there uh, in order to, um, to ease 
to to create ease and comfort within myself. God is my refuge today. The second thing that that says to me is this program works. You know, I was a compulsive overeater my entire life. I was enslaved by compulsive overeating. It was almost, you know, over two decades of complete mayhem. Thousands of binges, eating off the floor, you know, burnt food, frozen food, stealing food, (laughs) eating with, like, into a stupor, you know, on the couch. I mean, just complete mayhem, complete mayhem. And this is about raising of the dead. You know, how could I rise up out of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body? It's through the engaging in this process and having had a spiritual awakening and having been restored to sanity and having soundness of mind and being relieved of the obsession. That is the transformation that's possible. So show him how they work with you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, you'll do anything to help. The highest rank in this program of recovery is servant. You know, I came here restless, irritable, discontent. I came here filled with fear, remorse, guilt. And because of those conditions, that always led me back to compulsive overeating. Because of those conditions in my mind, it always led me back to compulsive overeating. This program of recovery allowed for a rearrangement of my mind so I no longer need to feel it necessary to pick up that first bite. And nothing of personal success, nothing of personal power or recognition or any pats on the back. This is about God doing for me what I could not do for himself. If you want it, great. Come and get it. It's open to everybody. If you don't want it, that's fine, too. God bless you. You know, we get wound up. I get wound up about this program because uh, not about me and because I get excited to talk, but because I get excited about us, excited about what is possible through the program of recovery, excited about the hope that the program of recovery offers. You know, I have seen so many people's lives transformed. Everybody has an opportunity for that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Ditto, ditto. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph here before we move on to the next? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. So we're talking about here working with others. And we're talking about someone who's hearing for the first time, perhaps, about this disease. Hearing for the first time about this disease. You know, we are very blessed in some ways that we have, many of us, come into OA knowing something about the 12 steps, at least having heard of Alcoholics Anonymous. But here we're talking about a period of time when there was no information about this disease out there. And it was being carried, this message, one-on-one. It was being carried one-on-one. And the message that was being carried, you know, oftentimes two men would go in those early days. Two men would go and talk to a prospect, talk to a candidate. But here we're talking about one-on-one, one-on-one. And I love that they say, unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, about himself, Do not wear out your welcome. 
Because one-on-one, you know, it's a dialogue. It's a back and forth. It's a let's talk together. And I'll tell you some of my story and you tell me some of your story. And there perhaps will be some laughter, maybe some tears, but maybe some connection, maybe some identification. Maybe that person will say, holy cow, you ate like I ate. Oh, my. Some of your, well, maybe I didn't do that exactly, but boy, I did that. And so there's this connection that's being made. And I don't know about you, but in my disease, in the isolation of my thinking and my eating, it was hard to imagine there was anyone else out there who could at all understand where I was coming from, who could all understand what I had done, how ashamed I was sometimes of what I had done. But one-on-one, a connection gets made. And when that connection is made and when I could identify that I, yes, was like this person and that they had something going for them. They had something that they had found in this spiritual program and they described that to me. Well, I wanted to jump on board. You know, I had had enough. I was done. And that person said to me, we're going to get you busy. We're going to get you busy. And first, the busy came from just getting abstinent. You know, I had been given the opportunity to look hard and long at my experience. And my experience, talking with this person one-on-one about their experiences with eating and my experiences with eating, it brought me to that place. Well, they had the book now. They had the book with that information as well. So now that person could take a look at the book and could have spelled out in the book what this person had told me, how they had found a way out. And here it was in print. And that made even a bigger impact because of the discussion we had had, because of the dialogue, because of the interaction one-on-one. And I do have lots of people that call me that, that are desperate and doomed and done like I was. And I say, let's get abstinent. You know, you're learning some information. And sometimes I think trying to get abstinent gives you the experience of, I cannot do this alone. I've never been able to do this alone. But here's something that's happening. So I love that we do this in a way that we never talk down. We never say, I'm up here and you're down there. We say, I am right where you're at. I am right where you're at. And this is what's been helping me. So if you want it, I will bend over backwards to help you. If you're willing and you want it, then let's get started and let's get abstinent. Because these people had to get sober first. They're talking to somebody oftentimes who was in the hospital and was getting sober. Or at least was in a lucid interval, they say. So I too can get passionate and excited and I like to, and I, but I don't want to thump the big book. I want to establish that connection because that's where it starts. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Let's move on to the next paragraph. And Sharon, can you read, please? Hi. Good morning, Monica. Will it be okay if I read the next two paragraphs together? Go ahead. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah, thank you. Well, good morning to all. I'm Sharon, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Very grateful to be on the line with you this morning. If he is not interested in your solution, if he expects you to act only as a banker for his financial difficulties or a nurse for his sprees, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do after he gets hurt some more. If he is sincerely interested and wants to see you again, ask him to read this book in the interval. After doing that, he must decide for himself whether he wants to go on. He should not be pushed or prodded by you, his wife, or his friends. If he is to find God, the desire must come from within. So I, the, 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 uh, there is a section that comes to mind and uh, in when we start looking at the solution and you know what now I'm thinking now I can't I can't even remember where I was where what I lost my so here it is it says that um, well excuse me I can't find where I was going to read from but what what this tells me as I as I look at this and read this is that first of all the the phrase you may have to drop him and that goes back to what we were reading before until a person is ready a person has to first admit that they're powerless they have to come to that understanding that recognition now what was done with me when I was ready and I was desperate, I I asked someone for help, and they said, okay, let's get started. And she took me through, had me begin to read the big book and gave me some questions that I was to write about. I was to read the big book and write and then read back to her. And so I went through steps one through through three with her reading the big book. and before I made a commitment to the program, so as a as a way of understanding, I had I had my sponsor there working with me to as I was working with my recovery, as as I was getting out of the food and getting my head clear, I was reading and writing and coming to understand what was what the disease was about and what the program was about. So I did that through a series of reading and writing, and then I then she'd have me reread what I had written and and what I had read before. So I was reading uh, these pages over and over again. Which, as I look back on it, when I was going through it, I'm like, oh, I got to read that again, and then oh, now I got to read it again. And so I felt like after a while, I was like, okay, I know these words because I've read them so many times over a, a, over a period of a two to three months, she just worked with me over and over again. And I see now that the value of that was that I was getting, my head was getting more and more clear and I was hanging in there and she was able to see that I really was serious about working this program and getting recovered. And I want to point out something else that I have seen 
in the rooms with some sponsors is that they get a person, and, and I know my first sponsor, she she told me, she says, you know what, you're too tough of a case for me. I can't I can't handle you. And she let me go. And I had another sponsor that said, look, you've you just really laid down the law with me because I was making a mistake or, or just really not understanding what was going on. And as a result of her laying down the law and saying and showing me that I was, operating still in my addiction and not really grasping what I was what was being taught to me as a result of her just being really clear with me but also it it really came across as loving so the one person dropped me because she couldn't deal with me because I was just such a tough case because when I came in the room I was a basket case I was really really bad off I was I was into the food. My life was falling apart. I had serious problems. I had young children I was dealing with. My life was in total shambles. And and it was a, I was a tough case to deal with. And plus, I was in the food and my head was so foggy that I really, it was, I had a hard time grasping what I was supposed to do. The, the one thing I had going for me is desperation and willingness. And so I I went to the next sponsor and she had had enough life experience so that she could understand how to work with me a little better and explain it to me. The point I want to make here is as sponsors, we're not God. We have to be willing to let people go. And the reading that I was was going to uh read, which I, I can't put my hands on right at the moment, it said that we have to let people go out and, and try a little bit of controlled eating so that they can get a full uh, understanding, a full grasp of this disease. So there are reasons, thank God, when, uh, and there was, I had to go through 10 years of that before I came to the conclusion that until I was just flat on my face and I knew there was nowhere, I mean, I could keep going down and down and down to the pit of hell and death until I came to that realization and was willing to go to any lengths and accept, and and I was able to then find a sponsor who was willing to work with me and go to any lengths with me to help me as I got out of the food and got back on my feet. But we have to, as sponsors, uh, it says here we have to drop, you may have to drop him. And that word may says that we have some latitude. Where do we as sponsors get the latitude? We get it from our higher power. So this is a spiritual process, this process of, of getting a person onto their feet. It's a spiritual process, and but it's we, we lead with our heart and, and through the power of God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone like to comment on these two paragraphs? Eileen. This is Katie. Eileen and then Katie. Thanks, Monica. This is Eileen, food addict from Bedford, Mass., um, in recovery. Uh, this, this, again, was a wonderful paragraph. What I especially like was the last sentence. 
If he is to find God, that desire, the desire must come from within. And it's so true. I mean, it it took me nearly uh, 20 years to get the willingness and desperation to surrender. Um, You know, it talks all about, it gives advice. It gives suggestions of how a sponsor should behave um, when giving feedback to a person who's, who's out there, who's in the disease. Um, if he is sincerely interested and wants to see you again, ask him to read this book in the interval. In the interval. That's so imperative. You know, have a big book with you uh, if, if you can or if you want to, um, to give suggestions to someone about how to get recovery. It takes, a, it takes some work. It does. I think that's what I was scared of doing. You know, and substitution. You know, I substitute uh, for the food relationships with men. And I'm going through a situation right now where I'm involved with someone. He's not the best person for me. And I have to look at that. That's someone in recovery. The awarenesses, the clarity that I have now versus when I was stuck in the bag in the boxes. I did I knew, but I kept stuffing it down. So if you want to find God, the desire has to come from within. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Eileen. Katie, go ahead. Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um I, too, wanted to just focus on um, this one line. If he is to find God, if he is to find God, the desire must come from within. Um, And, you know, I cannot make someone want to recover. I cannot give them the gift of willingness and the gift of open-mindedness. I have to trust that their higher power is going to do that for them. And, you know, people get really anxious with this line, um, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. It seems so cruel and heartless and, um, you know, all those things. And yet I have found that, you know, I usually don't have to drop anybody. They drop me. They just fall back off the face of the earth, like, you know, go back to what they were doing. And until they're ready to um, to put down, put the food down, you know, to put down their substance and to pick up this spiritual toolkit, you know, there's there's nothing I can do. Um, all I have to be is honest, open, and willing myself, and willing to tell them exactly what I did and exactly what I do. You know, this isn't a program where you know it's once and done, where you go through the steps and then, you know, it's like, well, I think I think it goes like this. I'll have to look it up. I can't remember. You know, we are living this program on a daily basis. And so, you know, when I when someone uh calls me and says, Well, how do you handle this situation without picking up the food? I don't say, you know, well, I remember, you know, in my first year I did it this way. So you should do it that way. No, I still do it the same way. And 
you know, God is still doing for me what I cannot do for myself. I have not graduated to where I no longer can identify with a newcomer um, because I have daily challenges. But this program allows me to go through those. And if someone doesn't want that, if they really just want you to listen to their excuses and their pity party about, you know, why it's harder for them than it is for the other hundred people you know that got through that same situation, you know, well, that's where they are. And, you know, when I got abstinent, I, you know, my sponsor was a great person, but really <laughs> it was God because I can't tell you a thing she said to me. She was there for me, and but I really, you know, there were... <laughs> 23 hours and 50 minutes in the day that she was not there with me. But my higher power was there with me. And that's, you know, we are not God. We cannot magically fix people. But we can offer our experience, strength, and hope. And if we continue to work with people who really aren't ready and really aren't willing, then it just brings us down and it makes us not available for someone else who is ready and willing. So it's a fine line between uh, enabling and people-pleasing and feeling sorry for people and having compassion and doing the next right thing. And, you know, we just have to keep working through that on a daily basis to understand, you know, because this is so different from the previous paragraph where we, you know, are sitting there and listening and, you know, letting them lead. I mean, you do that for a while, but then if they're not ready, you move on. That'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on these two paragraphs? This is Chaya. Chaya, go ahead. Hi, good morning, Monica. Hi, everybody. This is Chaya, Recovered Compulsive Eater and Bulimic in Dallas, Texas. You know, I'm always amazed as we read um, how the instructions are laid out here so um, clearly. And um, I'm so grateful for that. You know, it's saying here, you know, if he's not interested, it's okay. It's all right. You know, um, you may have to drop him. I mean, it does sound very harsh. I was told once you have to learn, and this is going to sound really harsh, um, but this disease is a killer. And I was told you have to learn how to step over the dead bodies. You know, like people people are dying. They're they're living, they're, they're, they're you know, walking a, a dead while they think they're alive, you know, and, um, but they can be like totally resurrected, totally taken out of the quicksand, um, but if they don't want it, you, you go on to the next person, you know, because only this disease, the disease will make you willing, you know, the disease will bring you down, and, um, but if he is interested and does want to meet again, read the book. And then after he does that, he can decide if he wants to go on, right? If he wants to go through with the 12 steps. And um, this, this is the instructions. Let him see what's going. You've discussed already your past and your disease. You've painted a picture of what it was like for you. He's giving you, she's giving you some background around her stuff. You've been able to say that you doubt whether you would have made such progress had you not taken the action that's in this book. You share with him the book. Um, I'm not pushing you into it because 
because you need to come to that realization yourself. I also don't think the paragraph, just the, I just want to skip up to the paragraph earlier where it says, you know, don't rush him. It may be a mistake. I think that this could be interpreted as, let's get you out of the food for 90 days. I don't want to rush you through the steps. Let's just get you abstinent. I think it can be interpreted that way, but I don't think that this is what the author was speaking to. Like, let, just, just don't drink for 90 days, and then we'll go through with the process. What it's saying here is, I'm not going to push you into admitting that first step. That's something that you need to come to on your own. And once you come to that first step, you know, I've worked with people over the years. <laughs> When somebody's ready to do something, it's almost like potty training. You know what you guys, right? Potty train your kid. When do they go? When they are ready. When they are ready, you can try and try and force them and get it. When they're ready, when they decide. And I think that, and then it's like, you know, you, you, get, you move on, you know, and, and, and now we're into a new phase. And I think that my experience here is, um, you know, that I can't push someone into admitting that, they're powerless, their life is unmanageable, and they are willing to go on with the remaining steps. Instead, I can paint a picture, I can give them the book, I can let them read it, I can share with them my experience. And when they draw that conclusion, either by reading the book and identifying, or by going out and eating and getting kicked around a little bit more, then they're ready to do anything. They're ready to go through the process, and part of that process is putting down the food and then immediately getting into the steps. Why? Because when I put down the food, I put down my solution, and I needed to have another solution, and that other solution is a spiritual awakening, which arrives, you know, begins to arrive um, at the, when I'm at the 10th step. And so I need to get to that 10th step ASAP, because it's like being underwater, holding my breath underwater, is being abstinent without the remaining steps. So I, I, my experience and what I believe the book is saying here is I'm not going to rush him into getting started, but once we get started, we're going through with it. And, uh, and it does tell us that it, it is at a pretty decent clip. So um, that's all. I want to welcome newcomers. You have, uh, you have landed in a really great place. Thanks. Thanks, Haya. Let's move on to the next paragraph. And Katie, would you read, please? I can, absolutely. Katie G. from Boston, recovered compulsive overeater. If he thinks he can do the job in some other way or prefers some other spiritual approach, encourage him to follow his own conscience. We have no monopoly on God. We merely have an approach that worked with us. But point out that we alcoholics have much in common and that you would like in any case to be friendly. Let it go at that. <clears throat> so I'm Katie G. recovered compulsive overeater. And... Um, I love, you know, what are we coming from? We're coming from this last line saying, if he is to find God, then the desire must come from within, right? So no matter how great my necessity or will <laughs> to get other people to follow my lead, um, my being the operative selfish word there, it has to come from within, right? Like as the previous speaker said, like, you know, with potty training, I mean, I'm a hard-headed, compulsive overeater, like frothy emotional appeal didn't work, people telling me that, you know, I, I, I looked like I was going to die because I was too thin, me wearing, you know, the pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization of the clothes, of, you know, getting fired from jobs multiple times, in abstinence, of inappropriate relationships, like that, you know, 
I could keep digging until my death, you know, like, if you want to find your bottom, stop digging. You know, there's, for me, I'm a hard-headed nut to crack, and I have no monopoly on program, on recovery, or on God. All I know is I have a person, uh, I thank you, God, I have an approach that has worked with me, which requires, you know, fundamental step one work, you know, surrendering to abstinence and, and fundamental commitment to the integrity of these steps as they are laid out in the book. Um, you know, and, and there are plenty of people out there who can live in active addiction and find God. Like that's, who am I to say? Like there are plenty of people out there who have symptoms of compulsive reading who seem to be living pretty normal lives, you know, who seem to have, you know, most normal stuff going on. But that's not me. That is not me, you know, and I have, it's funny because God brings a lot of women into my life who seem like they might be interested in doing this. And I'm not talking about on the phone. I'm not talking about people who, who call me. I'm talking about people, you know, in school and, and yoga class and whatnot who seem like they might be interested in what I have to do, what I do. And I let them know where I'm coming from and, and what I do, but, like, I'm, I, I remain detached. Right, because like, what is the primary purpose of me? You know, my primary purpose is to help other women, right? But like, but like, God makes those decisions, right? Like, and I don't know how God is going to manifest in your life or my life. Um, all I know is, how, <coughs> excuse me, how God manifests in my, <coughs> excuse me, how God manifests in my life, one day at a time, in this 24 hours. Um, you know, by integrity and commitment to this work. And um, if you're new, welcome. You know, we have a program that has worked for many of us, that has worked for many alcoholics, that has worked for many compulsive overeaters who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And what does that mean? It is so much more than your weight looking like an EKG. That's just a symptom of the problem. It's having a life, right? Like it's moving forward today with a primary purpose without that feeling of, I don't know where I'm supposed to be, but it sure as heck is not here, you know, and a relationship with God that is amazing. So um, let my actions be louder than my words today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Good morning. This is Bella. Can I share? Yes, Bella. We're almost at the end of our time, but yes, you may. Go ahead. Good morning, my name is Bella and I'm a happy recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you very much for leading this meeting and thank you very much everybody that is on the line. Why I love this paragraph and for me the, the key sentence is encourage him to follow his own conscience. You know, before we came to the program, we we don't feel comfortable with ourselves, we don't believe in ourselves, we don't respect ourselves, and we judge ourselves, we, we blame ourselves. And when we come to the program, the first thing is encourage him to follow his own. You know, first of all, it doesn't matter you are an alcoholic, you are a compulsive overeater, you are a human being, and you have your own feelings. And 
accept them, accept your feelings, you are allowed to feel, you have permission to feel, respect your own feelings, when you respect your own feelings, you can be my friend, we can talk about them, it's okay, you are a human being, you deserve respectful, don't ignore yourself, don't think that you are nobody, yes, before we came to the program, We knew that we are nothing. We are, we are here to be blamed and to be judged. It's such a wonderful feeling. Yes, no matter what you are, where you are, you are a human being. You are a person. You have feelings and you are, uh, you, you have, You can be respectful. Respect yourself and other people will respect, you, will, will respect you too. And it's a wonderful, empowering paragraph. And thank you very much for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Hoodie, can you read a vision for you, please? Certainly. Thank you, uh, Monica, and good morning to um, all of you on the line today. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God, God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you tread the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. Thank you.